Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. The Lord is risen. He is risen from the dead. He is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Because Jesus lives, we shall also Hope years to come. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that it will take the ages to come for God to reveal his kindness to us. Jesus is our security and our safety, our ark of safety for the present. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord. We give him honor. We give him glory. Happy Resurrection Sunday to you all in the name of Jesus Christ. Want to go to the Lord in prayer in Jesus' name. We worship you, Lord. We magnify you. We thank you for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is at work within us, quickening us, making us alive, Every new day. We are grateful that in his resurrection we are justified. We are made a new creation. We thank you that we who are no people are now the people of God. Called out of darkness into your marvelous light. To show forth the excellencies, the praises, the virtues pray today, O oh God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that your word will come forth in power to save the lost, to heal the sick, to deliver the oppressed in Jesus' name, to cause the church to rise in supernatural power. Strengthen your people in their innermost being by the power of your Holy Spirit. Be thou magnified in each life today in the name that is above every name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. We thank you. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you, those who are in the sanctuary with us today. I want to thank you all who are online around the world with us on this Resurrection Sunday in our World Missions Ministries Church service. Pastor Anthony Turkson, and it is my joy to bring to you God's word. I declare to you today that the darkness of Satan's power is over, and the true light of Jesus shines so brightly, shines with salvation, with healing, deliverance, peace, power, and prosperity for all who believe in God and trust in Jesus. Amen. Since this is uh, Resurrection Sunday, uh, my title will just line up with it. It is What the Resurrection Gives Us. What the Resurrection Gives Us. Praise the Lord. So let's just take a, one of the classic scriptures on Resurrection. 
go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Reading from verse 1. The Lord has given me a message for you today. It's just been ringing my spirit for two weeks. And a little later, I'm going to take you to the book of Ruth. We're going to see uh, how that the Lord Jesus working in our lives every day from beginning to end from earth to heaven. So John chapter 20 verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that some had, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That would be John. And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. I continue reading. So Peter came out with the other disciple, and they went toward the tomb. They both ran together, the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. He was younger. He outran Peter. The younger would take the button that you, you extend to them and run with the last one. That is how it should be. The glory of the latter house should always be greater than the former. We should believe God and pray for the children and generations after you to rise and do greater and that's what this signifies. So we go on. Stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying. Yet he did not enter. I don't know, perhaps out of reverence uh, for the elder, Peter. So Peter would go in and examine what had happened. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went inside the tomb saw the linen cloth lying there and the cloth that was around his head, the head of Jesus, not lying with the linen cloth, but wrapped in a place by itself. I need for you to notice verse 7. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went inside the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the cloth that was around his head was lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped, excuse me, was not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped in a place by itself. Then the other disciple came first to the tomb, went in also. So, and believed. For as yet, they did not know the scripture, that he must, he must rise from the dead. And the disciples went again to their own homes. Just quickly explain something about why the scripture 
tells us here that they did not know that he must rise from the dead. It's interesting that John would say that uh, because John obviously knew, uh, knowing that, knew that Jesus had told them. He had that information. Jesus had told them. And we all know that Jesus said to destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Bible says when he said destroy this temple, he was referring to the temple of his body. Uh, we are the temple of the living God. So obviously Jesus had told them, but they did not know it as in they did not understand it. They did not understand it. So they were aware of the information that Jesus would be raised from the they didn't understand it. They didn't believe it. If you look back here in John 20, uh, as you read, I'm sure you noticed, it says, where it says, then the other disciple, verse 8, who came first to the tomb, went in also. He saw and believed. I smile to myself when I read that. He saw and believed because we know the world says seeing is believing. So he saw and believed. But in Christ, for believers, we believe to see. The world believes after they've seen. In order for us to see, we believe first. That is born again believers. So he say, it says he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. But I'm saying that they knew it because Jesus had told them. So right here, he's teaching us the difference between knowing and knowing. Knowing by your spirit and knowing just in your head. And a sense knowledge and revelation Now that I've made this distinction from the scripture, that John was told by Jesus and all the disciples that he would die, he'd be raised from the dead. He told them, so they were aware of it, but they didn't believe him. They did not catch the revelation, they didn't understand all that it meant. Then they believed after the fact after they saw the resurrection. So from that, we can gather this. There's a way to know something and believe something in your spirit. And for that thing to be real to you from God. Until it is actually manifested in the natural. There are people who unfortunately are going to live their lives here on earth without ever experiencing this aspect of knowing God, believing with your heart, understanding something by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, by faith we, Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Interesting. By faith we understand. Usually we know that it is with our minds that we understand. Yet in Hebrews 11.3 it says, by faith, we understand 
that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Today in this world, there are scientists, and science is great. There are people trying to figure out how the world was created. Try to use science, they try to use archaeology, they try to use their minds to figure out how the world was created. And that's fine, they can do all that. However, in Hebrews 11:3, the Bible says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed or created by the word of God. So God's word is teaching us that there's a level of understanding that comes by revelation. You can be the best, the most, the smartest person in the world, greatest PhD they ever lived, and never come to Hebrews 11, 3 type of understanding, where it says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. Perhaps through science, we can have some discoveries. But in appreciating all that God has created and understanding how he made it comes only by faith. Amen. Natural knowledge will, is good, but will only take you so far. The thing about it is that uh, as you use natural knowledge to acquire or to understand certain things, uh, you realize that you really don't know anything at all because there's still more to be known. There's still more to be discovered. And it's okay for man to discover, like, you know, we're trying to explore Mars. Man has gone to the moon, there are a lot of, you know, um, satellites being shot into space and all that. And that, that's all great, that's all fine. We need to continue to do that, uh, use all that information to help us on the earth. But what I'm trying to bring across to you is that there is a, a place of operating here on earth with God that is much higher than the highest of human knowledge. And we see it right here in John 20. As to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was to be believed by the disciples first and then to be experienced. Amen. Not only those disciples in Jesus' time, but all of us who have believed in Jesus, we are also to believe in the resurrection of Jesus and experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus and have this revelation of the, re the resurrection of Jesus and the power thereof change us. Change us. Change our lives that we would change the world. If I compare the early church, the first century after the resurrection of Jesus, to our time, if you look at what the early disciples did, how they were passionate, zealous, some even sacrificed their lives 
to tell the world about the resurrected Jesus. This is Peter, Paul, all those people, you know, in the early church. Just look at them. It's taking the gospel of Jesus to the world. And look at us today. Just, just compare the two. Our attitude today, the church, I mean, our behavior towards the resurrection and what we're doing with the message or about the message, how we're taking it to the world. If you compare our attitude towards it, our response towards it, to what the early church did, if God, if something isn't happening, if there's no revival, there is going to be. But if there's no revival, there's no transformation, the world will not be saved in the measure, in the way that it's supposed to, compared to the way that God used Peter, James, John, Paul, and the early church to take the world. And just think about it. Without the internet, without uh, Bibles printed on mass, no airplanes, these people, early disciples, took the world for Jesus. And the one thing that moved them to go was the resurrection of Jesus. There had been religions before Jesus came. There had been prophets. This time, what was the difference? What had happened in the earth that had never happened? A man who came from heaven. God came down from heaven, lived among men, revealed God to mankind, prophesied his life, prophesied his death, prophesied his resurrection, and everything he said came to pass. Then he rose from the dead, and that changed the lives of the first century disciples. It changed them. It changed them and moved them with zeal and passion Take the world for Jesus Christ. That we are not doing. The modern church looks more at the resurrection this way. What it gives me. And then I enjoy it. And I add some more to it. And I'm blessed. And that's fine, but it's only a part of it. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is supposed to be working in us, moving us to take this world for Jesus, to bring God's love to humanity. To bring God's grace and God's power to humanity. Amen. They saw Jesus raised from the dead. It changed them and they could not sit still. They could not sit still. They took on Rome, the empire of Rome. In Caesar's house, there was a church. A church was established in Caesar's household. Hallelujah. We get an opportunity to go to the White House and we do politics. It's not Jesus. Something must change today. I pray that something will change today in your heart and in my life as we hear God's word. Amen. So John was told by Jesus, I'll rise from the dead. But didn't really register. Same as today. All over the world, on this day, all over the world, we're celebrating Easter. Some people for Easter, it's just eggs and rabbits, bunny. I mean, how is that going to save somebody? How is that going to heal anybody? How does that relate to Jesus who died for our sins and was raised from the dead? How? <laughs> the 
Is it a, is that a different resurrection? Is that a different message? No, it's the same resurrection. It's the same grace. It's the same message. I pray that you and I may know him. And as Paul said, and the power of his resurrection. Let me show you that. Philippians 3 and verse 10. There's something you got to pray for to experience in your own life to change you. So you can take this world for Jesus. Please look at Philippians 3 and verse 10. I'm going to read this from the King James Version. Philippians 3, verse 10. Hallelujah. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him. Let's look at it together, please. That I may know him. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Yet Jesus had told them. So they knew but did not know. They heard the information. But they did not have a revelation of it. Nothing had happened to their spirit. To the real person on the inside. So there was no change. There was no transformation. There be a transformation in your life today. Listen to Paul. This is a letter to the Philippians, which towards the end of his ministry. He's not a novice. He's not a new believer. He's a seasoned, mature man of God. That is the apostle of the Lord. Yet listen to him. His pursuit of God. His quest for more of God. And specifically, especially for Easter or Resurrection Sunday. His pursuit, what he wants to experience is the resurrection power. Look at that. Philippians 3 verse 10. That I may know him. Intimately experience him. Know him. And what? And the power of his resurrection. Please read that yourself. Philippians 3 10. That I may what? Know him and the power of his resurrection. Wow. And the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to share with him. That's what fellowship is. Sufferings. That is for being a believer. Sufferings for preaching the gospel of Jesus. Being made conformable unto his death. Verse 11, Philippians 3, 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. This is very important to this man here. Verse 12, he reveals that he didn't think he had it all, knew it all. It's not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I chase after pursuing God. I follow after. Wow. I mean, do you see this? Can you feel him? Can you feel his heart? There's something he knows is there. 
and he hasn't grasped it yet, he wants it. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend it, I may seize it, I may capture it, I may arrest it, if I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended by Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, all right, I know I'm born again, I'm saved by grace through faith. But beyond that, which we all have, he says, you know, God arrested me. He arrested me. And he must have arrested me for a purpose. I want to experience that before I die. Experience it in my life. And experience it in the resurrection of my body on the last day. When Jesus raises us all up. Because he is coming back. <laughs> he is coming back. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. When we go back to John 20. Alright, but still Philippians 3. 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Interesting. But this one thing I do. This is I'm focused. This is my focus. One thing I do that is talking about focus. Forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting failures, and even depending on the laurels of past years and past decades. What is God doing? your life in the present. Where are you with God today as far as the resurrection power of Jesus at work in you today? Because the resurrection of Jesus gives us new life. New. His mercies are new every morning. New every morning. There's new life pulsating in you every new day. New revelations. New insights. From glory to glory. New realms of glory. New. We walk with him, in the Bible says, in newness of life. Not the oldness of the letter, but newness of life. The vibrancy of the work of the Spirit of God in your life. Young men shall see visions. Young men, young women will prophesy. Are we prophesying? Are we seeing visions? Or have we left the prophesying for the prophets only? Old men shall dream dreams. Are you still dreaming or have you given up on life? When the spirit is at work in you, you are alive. You are alive. You are passionate. You are zealous. You are alive. Hallelujah. If you had a child in your home, child wakes up, child doesn't want to eat, child is not talking, child is not playing, child is not smiling, wouldn't you be disturbed? Wouldn't you be worried? Now, let's not talk about the child. Let's talk about you. You wake up. You're not interested in life. You're not happy. You're not smiling. Nothing good. You're just there. God did not make you to live that way. You have to dream. And you have to believe that that dream will be fulfilled. 
He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. Young men will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young women will see visions. Well, how does the spirit relate to the resurrection? Without the spirit of God, Jesus would not have been resurrected. God raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is this power that is at work in you, making us willing and able to do God's good pleasure. It is this power that Paul said, I want to know, I want to experience, because one thing I know is that he is coming back. One thing I know is that he is going to raise all of us up. And I don't count myself to have gotten it all. But that's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are ahead. What's ahead of you? Have you prayed to see it? Wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength if you are weak. Wait on the Lord and stand on your watch to see what he will reveal to you. And he will show you visions. And that vision is for an appointed time. At the end, it will surely speak. It will come to pass. It will not fail. Amen. The hope of the righteous will not be deferred. It will not be derailed. It will come to pass. If you trust the Lord, if you believe on the Lord, wait, I say, on the Lord. He will show you as you seek him, as you pursue him. He will show you. And what he shows you and you begin to pray, you begin to prophesy, claim it, declare it, speak it, call it into being, and begin to act on it, will come to fruition. There'll be a harvest. There'll be an abundance. Resolve. There will be results to the glory of God. Doesn't the Bible say men will see your works and give glory to your Father in heaven? Hallelujah. So Paul says, I don't live my life like I got it all. I got it made and it's over. My soul, you can be at rest. Your barns are full. You got everything. Just be at to that man in the scriptures, the Lord said, what if your soul is taken away from you tonight? What are you going to do with all those stuff in the barns? Life is more. Life is more. And things, cars, houses, and material things, life is more. A man died that we may live. And beyond that, just a normal human being, it was God in the flesh. He gave his life that we may live. Hallelujah. And then in addition to that, that we may tell the world. That we may tell the world of his love. That we may show the world of his mercy, of his grace. The early church caught that and they took the world for Jesus. Those people were unstoppable. One of the my, my, uh, stories that I love in the scriptures that she speaks to my heart, fascinates me about Paul. He was stoned in one city. A number of times happened. By this particular occasion, he's stoned in this city and left for dead. The Bible is actually not clear as to whether he actually really died or not. But anyway, the disciples surround him and he's left for dead. He's laying there. Then he gets up. Now that I don't understand. The next thing he did, I didn't understand. 
he gets up and he goes back into the same city where he was stoned. Anytime I read that, I'm like, okay, you get up, I get up, and I'm running for my life. I'm gone. He gets up. I don't understand this man. He gets up, goes back to the same city. What was it that made these people leave everything and follow Jesus? And there's some things in the Bible you read, and I'm like, wow. Matthew is a tax collector. He's working for the IRS of his day. He's sitting at his desk, you know, he's collecting, you know, taxes. Jesus comes. Jesus says, follow me. The man gets up, and he just follows. He just, I'm reading, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, what, what is going on here? I mean, this, why did he just, just got, he just got up and followed him. What was it? What was it that made them so different? Why am I not like them? Why am I not like them? What is it that they saw that I have not seen? This is what I hear Paul talking about here. That I may know him. Yes, granted, all of us have experienced God, God in a certain measure. In fact, Romans 12 says in verse 3 that God has dealt to every one of us the measure of faith. So everybody who is born again has a certain amount of faith. It was saving faith, faith by which you got saved. So you have faith. Everybody has that. Even if you have a, a, a faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. So we do have it. Amen. We do have it. But what was it that made these people so different? What did they see? This is what I hear Paul talking about. The resurrection power of Jesus power of the spirit that went down into the dark regions of the damned. The power of the spirit that went into the grave, that raised the dead body of Jesus up. The power of the spirit that went into every corner of hell. And with that, I say this, I know there are people who don't even believe that. Actually, there are people who teach against that. The people who teach that Jesus didn't go to hell. Because he was righteous, he could not have gone to hell. I'm not here to debate that. Scripture is very clear. Scripture is actually very clear. So you have to, uh, we don't have to really debate that. He says that my soul was not left in hell. That means he went to hell, but his soul was not left there. Amen. There's another place in Scripture where it says that by the Spirit, by the Spirit, Jesus went and kerygma the Greek, he proclaimed to the spirits in prison. So there was some aspect of the underworld that was a spiritual prison. He says the spirits that were disobedient in the days of Noah, he went and he charisma to them. He proclaimed to them. You know, he proclaimed to them. So between the cross and the resurrection, a lot happened. Just because he's dead for three days doesn't mean nothing is going on. No, no, no. A lot happened. His body dies on the cross. But remember, before he died, he gave his spirit to God. He commended his spirit to God. He said, into your hands I commend my spirit. I often pray that prayer for people from Acts 20.32. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. Among all who are born again. May you even through this message receive your inheritance in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to challenge you. Be different. 
Let this Easter be different. Don't celebrate Easter like everybody does. You know, Easter bunny, Easter this, and there's nothing about the reality. The resurrection of Jesus. He died that we may live. Are you living? To live God's life and life more abundantly. Are you living the abundant life of the spirit? I don't mean abundant life is starting about house or cars no, or planes. No. Abundant life of the spirit. Fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Or are you baptized, as some pastor said, in vinegar? Always sorrowful. When the spirit comes, he breaks the yoke. The yoke of the oppressor. The yoke of confusion. When the devil comes to talk to you, and put you down. Do you sit there and accept it? Or do you reject it right away? By the power of the spirit. Working on the inside. Christ is alive. He's not dead. Don't seek for the living among the dead. You cannot do things of death. And expect life. You can't live a life. Where you're depressed. And expect breakthrough. You cannot meditate on failure and expect to be successful. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I reach forth to those things which I had. Finally, in Philippians 3, 14, 3, 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's take an imagery to help us understand this verse 14. It is a picture of a race, like a hundred meter race. And Usain Bolt, you know, racing against other athletes. And everybody's reaching for the tape. Everybody's reaching at the end of the tape. Whoever gets it there first knows that they're going to get, say, the gold medal. The prize is what? The gold medal. And so you can see their muscles stretching. You can see they're training, you know, come into form. They're breathing, they're controlled. You can see muscles stretching. You can see that. All right. So this is this is a picture. Pressing, I press toward the mark for the prize. Now, if athletes would discipline themselves to get a crown that is corruptible, that will pass away then how much more spiritual athletes of Jesus Christ should be more disciplined to put the flesh under and let your spirit dominate the flesh. The Holy Spirit, rule your spirit. For your spirit to rule your mind and your body so that you can get the prize. The purpose for which you are arrested. God has given you a calling. God has given you a mandate. God has given you a commission. Every one of us 
has a purpose to fulfill in this world. Your purpose is directly connected with what you're good at. It's very simple. You don't have to go on a mountain and pray for 40 days to figure out what your purpose is. If that's what you want to do. You can have that. Do that. But it's very simple. It's easy to figure out your purpose. What are you good at? What do you excel at? What can you do easily? We wake you up in the middle of the night and we say, go, do it. And you just do it without even thinking. And you do it with joy. You excel at it. It is easy. You flow. That's your grace. That is the empowerment of the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Who raised Jesus that you may live for Jesus. He gave you those gifts to live out the resurrection life of Jesus through using those gifts on earth. Amen. Paul says, I was apprehended. He arrested me for a purpose. And I want to pursue it. It will only come through me knowing him and the power of his resurrection. What was it that John would have known had he believed first when Jesus told him, I'll be raised from the dead? He didn't know that. He just never knew it. So Jesus is actually raised from the dead goes to the tomb, it's empty, and then he says, oh, okay, now I've seen, so I believe. It's just like Thomas. Let's just do Thomas, for example. Most of you know this. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, comes to his disciples, Thomas is absent, so Jesus comes the second time. Meanwhile, the disciples have relayed to Thomas, the Lord was here, and he said, I don't believe it except I see. The nail prints in his hand, spear that was thrust in his side, the hole in his side where the spear was thrust through, where blood and water came out. If I see that, then I'll believe. Just like the world, seeing is believing. <laughs> so anyway, Jesus comes second time, and you know whatever you say, God hears. Jesus comes and says, Thomas, yeah, what you said I heard. Here, here are my palms. Here's my side. Thomas says, Lord and my King, Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, Thomas, so now that you have seen, you what? You believe. Please watch out. Now that you have seen, you believe. So we put what, Thomas in this group. That for that moment, Thomas over here. Then Jesus continues. He says, Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. So we'll put that group on this side. So there are two different groups now. There's a group who see and believe. Then there's a group that Jesus says they are blessed. There's something spiritually from God that rests on them. There's a power, there's a grace, there's an anointing. There's a visitation from God on them that keeps demonic spirits from destroying them at night or at day or by day or accidents. Something is working in their favor. And they are not even aware of it. 
God is defending them. They are dwelling under the canopy, the shadow of the Almighty. Grace is working for them. And they have no idea. They're just walking in the blessing of God because they have believed. May the power of the resurrection of Jesus work in you today and work in you every new day because you believe. You believe. You believe. You believe. You believe that life dwells in you. God's life dwells in you. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. There's a higher place. There's a higher calling. Paul said, I press for that mark of the price of the high calling of God. Anyone who has experienced the power of the Holy Ghost and known the power of the Holy Ghost. Is not afraid of ancestral curses. Ancestral spirits, generational curses. They are not deceived by false prophets. They are not afraid. They are not bound by conspiracy theories. They walk by revelation, not by conspiracy theories. You need to repent, Church of Jesus. Just like I said, the first century church and today's church. The first century church saw the resurrection of Jesus. And from that, they were galvanized into action. They put on the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace on their feet. And they marched on cities on kingdoms, on empires, and they took the world for Jesus. Today's church is talking about conspiracy theories. That will not take the world for Jesus Christ. That will not give you yourself peace. Make you a fearful believer. To open doors to confusion in your life. You just be marking time. You be like a child that wakes up. That you say, what? Well, you going to eat? I don't want to eat. You're going to play? I don't want to play. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm just bored. You're just there. Day in, day out. That is not life. That is not life. Today, determine that this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I will experience the power, resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Like Paul prayed that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I'm going to experience it. I will not listen to any voice. There's no voice without signification. I'm not listening to any voice that draws me away from pursuing the knowledge of the Most Holy One. From coming to experience the resurrection power of Jesus. There are religions before Jesus came. There are masters, gurus, powers. But the only difference between him and all that ever came is that he was raised. Give him praise, somebody. He's alive. And because he lives, you will live also. He's alive, he's working. He's alive, he's healing. He's alive, he's delivering. He's alive, he's saving. He's alive, putting everything under his feet. 
Hallelujah. For him has reigned to all his enemies and made his foot stool. Through the church. Then he will come again. Amen. Let's go to John. Back to John. We're going to see that. That he's coming back. So that would be John 20. Hallelujah. Jesus. This time I'm looking at it from the King James Version, John 20 and verses 6 and 7. Then Simon Peter, then comes Simon Peter following him, went into the sepulchre, which is a grave, and sees the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Verse 8, then went in also that other disciple which came first to the grave and he saw and believed. That's what I've been telling you about. What is interesting is that uh, the, the Bible takes time to tell us in verse 7 about the napkin that uh, the cloth that was wrapped around Jesus' head. Verse 7, and a napkin that was about his head, not lined with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place so, that's something significant. I think some of you uh, have seen this in your studies, or you may have heard it, but the, uh, the significance of the linen cloth here, the napkin that was about Jesus' head, neatly wrapped up by itself in a place, indicated this to those Jewish people at that time in their culture, they understood this, that if a master was at a table eating and he got up temporarily to do whatever and would come back and continue eating, that it was not done eating, what the master would do would, is this, he would fold Neatly. So when the servants in the house would come to clear the table and would see that a napkin has been folded, the master is not at the table, the napkin is folded, that's a message to them to wait. The master is saying, I'm coming back, don't clear the table. So the napkin that was wrapped aside neatly was Jesus' way of telling his disciples, I am risen, but I will come back. Hallelujah. So for us, Jesus is risen, and he's going to come back. This is what Paul was talking about. I want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and I want to continue walking with him till I experience the actual physical resurrection of my own body as well to get a new and glorified body when the Lord comes for his people. 
You understand this? That's what Paul was talking about in Philippians 3 that I spent some time talking to you about. It is not enough, ladies and gentlemen, to just have Easter as just a celebration. When I was a kid, in my grandmother's Methodist church, we had Easter. It was fun. I didn't understand it. We just, we just did it. All over the world, people are doing this thing, but it is not enough to just do it. You have to experience resurrection power in your life. In your life. He was raised from the dead that you may be declared righteous, justified. Today, for some people, unless a pastor tells them, sow a seed, so you'll be justified. So they think they have to do that. You don't know that it's the resurrection of Jesus that justifies you. It is not the money you, you put in an envelope and bring to my house that justifies you. No! Yes, support ministers. Yes, support the work, word of, work of God. The Bible tells us in somebody's ministry, somebody ministers spiritual things to you, it is all right and it is right to minister carnal things back to them. That is how the gospel operates. Yes, but you need to know that you don't need to give money to be justified. Let me show you Romans 4, 25. Let me show you this. Help us, Lord. Romans 4, 25. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't need to do any work to justify you. Jesus Christ finished it for you on the cross. You have to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ for salvation. Amen. Don't let the devil condemn you. You haven't prayed enough so there won't be a breakthrough. Some of us even, listen, I, I think 20 years ago, we got into this place where we felt like, you know, I need to wear the armor every day. I forgot, I, didn't, I was rushing to go to work. I didn't put on the armor, you know, uh, and say, I put on the, the helmet on my head. We say, yeah, I put a helmet on my head. Uh, I put on my belt. I put on, you know, and if you forget to do that, you're anxious at work in the middle of the day. Oh, my God, I didn't do it this morning. Uh, maybe the witches in my office will get me. You don't even know who you are in Christ. Someone once said, why do you have to put on the armor every morning? Do you take it off every night? I was going to show you a scripture. Romans 4.25. By the resurrection. Romans 4. I read 24 and 25. Excuse me. Romans 4. 24 and 25. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him, that what? Everybody, that what? That raised up, resurrection, raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses? I have sinned, you have sinned, we're born and shaped in sin. But Jesus paid for us. He was delivered for our offenses and was what? Raised for what? Raised again. Why was Jesus raised again in the King James Version? It says he was raised again for what? Our justification. You are justified. You are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Don't depend on any other thing. If you depend on something else, it means you are rejecting the blood. 
You are rejecting Christ. Nothing but the blood saves. Nothing but the blood heals. Nothing but the blood delivers. God does nothing without the blood. We were chosen in Christ from the foundation of this world. Hallelujah. Look at that. He was raised up to make us the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus paid it all. Let's go back to John, this time chapter 19. John chapter 19. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then I'll summarize this with Ruth. John 19, verses 29 and 30. John 19, 29. John 19, excuse me, I read from 28, 28. John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, Now there was set, there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And Jesus was steady, and Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, finished. Finished. One word, finished. And the King James Version here reads, it is finished. It is finished. It's actually just one word. Finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. All spirit. It is finished. This is what Jesus said. It is is finished. Why? What did he mean? If Jesus said it is finished, listen, gentlemen, it is what? It is finished. I mean, what, what comes after finished? Nothing. It's over. So don't let me or any pastor, any minister, any writer, anybody tell you that God requires something more before he will save you, before he will help you. It is not so. If we could save ourselves, Christ would not have come. He said, it is finished. We know on the cross, Jesus obviously did not speak Greek. I know the New Testament is written in Greek, so it is finished. It's tetelestaya, tetelestaya, finished. I'll come back to that in a moment. But he didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. That's his mother language. It's like Hebrew. For example, we all know this on the cross. He said, Eli, Eli. I'm not even going to try to say the rest of it. Because it wouldn't sound. But, you know, 
I'll just say it so that we can all remember and just flow. But obviously, it's not my language, so it won't sound right. But, you know, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabat, Right? Okay. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said that. Well, that was Aramaic. So when he said it is finished, he also said that in Aramaic. I know in the New Testament it was first written in Greek and translated into English, Spanish, French, and other languages all over the world. But he didn't say Petelestai. He said actually a word in Aramaic that is the same as what most of us know from Hebrew, Shalom. Ma Shalom. Ma Shalom. In Aramaic. He didn't say Tetelestai. Tetelestai, it is finished, is Greek. And it is used three ways. When you have layaway, you go and buy something on layaway, high purchase, layaway. Or you owe somebody and you pay, you keep paying, and you fully pay the debt. Then it is stamped on piece of paper, Petelestai, meaning what? Paid in full. The debt is paid. So when Jesus said it is finished, Jesus was saying everything that you owe has been paid. That's it. So anybody telling you that there are generational curses or something bad that, that on the strength of that, some demon has a right into your life is actually mistaken. Now, there can be open doors and there can be triggers, but it doesn't mean that they have authority that is a right to do it. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't know, can I even say this? I don't want to spoil it. You know, it's, it's like, you know, the police don't have a right to kill you. Do you know that? These men in America, they don't have a right to, to kill you. Just kill you. Just kill you like that. They don't. They, it happens sometimes, but they don't. They don't have the authority. That is why they, they take them to court. Are you understanding me? All right. So the devil is evil. And you always try to hurt. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he works through people. He can work through a doctor. He can work through a policeman. He can work through anybody. Anybody. You have to stop him. Amen? You have to stop him. Okay. He doesn't have the authority to do so. But the fact that, for example, a policeman doesn't have the authority to just stop you on the street and shoot you. They have the authority to stop you, your car, stop you and examine your car, whatever. But they don't have authority to shoot you. You understand what I'm saying? So there are things the devil doesn't have authority to do. But it is his nature to do evil. So when he wants to do the Amen. The same kind of attitude you've ever had siblings, the same kind of attitude you had towards your sibling when you're growing up, and you told your sibling, you can't order me. It's only mom can tell me to do this. Be like that. Tell the devil, you can tell me to do this or that. I am free. That's it. It's time. Yes, it's finished. Satan is over. 
Stop talking to me about this. It's over. I refuse to dwell on this. This is not of life. I refuse to go there. I mean, did I help you today? All right. The other meaning for Tetrasitaya is this. Once, let's say that somebody commits a crime. Yeah? You commit a crime, you do the time, go to jail. If you serve out your sentence and it's over, you come out, you're free. Aren't you free? Yes, you are. So if there's judgment against you, right, and that judgment is revoked, removed, you are pardoned, or you pay, you pay by doing the time, then the court will stamp the telestyle. It's finished. Nobody and put you back in that prison. Just like God told the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. The Egyptians you see today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you whatever was holding you will hold you no more. You will not see these Egyptians ever again. Once you cross the Red Sea, there's, Pharaoh can fume all he wants. If the devil had known that in crucifying Jesus we would be free, you would not have done it. We are free. Jesus set you free. Amen. He set you free. Your debt is paid in full. The judgment against you is written off. It's over. In Colossians 2 and verse 14. Colossians 2 and verse 14. It says all the judgments, the handwritings of ordinances against us were nailed to the cross of Christ. Finished. The Telestine. Finished. And the final way it was used in Greek, finished, or the Telestine, is this. There's a conflict. There's war. Two nations, two people are fighting. Doesn't matter how long. A day, ten years, a year, whatever. One gets defeated. After you defeated, the battle is won. It is what? Finished. So when Jesus cried, finished, he was saying on the cross, I have finished the devil. I have conquered the devil. I have defeated the devil. The prince of this world has been judged, defeated. Overthrown. Satan is defeated. He cannot take you to hell. Satan is defeated. He cannot make you sick. Satan is defeated. He cannot make you blind. He cannot confuse you. Satan is defeated. He cannot put you in bondage. The devil is defeated. Meditate on the resurrection power of Jesus and let you take you over till anything that is holding you breaks. It just breaks. God says, the time will come when the yoke that is upon you shall be broken because of what? I know you know it. Because of what? The anointing. In Isaiah 10, 27. The revelation is that God is saying, I'm going to make you fat. I know when we say fat, we don't like it in America. Don't worry. It's not fat like body fat. But let me finish it. God said, I'm going to make you fat. I'm going to make you so fat, you're going to you're going to 
and be enlarged, be expanded, that whatever was restricting you would break apart. Yes. Yes. Just like, you know, some things you wear, and when you put on some weight, you know, after a while, when you wear it, it's time you see that the seams are opening and all that. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, God says, I'm going to increase the unction, the power of the Spirit. I'll strengthen you by might in your innermost being. Paul prayed. Oh, now I see why. He prayed in Ephesians 1. He prayed that God will give them revelation, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God. He prayed that God's spirit would give them might in their spirit. In Ephesians 3, he said that you receive might in your spirit by the resurrection of God's spirit. So that the yoke, the fear, will leave. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. What is that spirit? It's the resurrection power of God's Holy Spirit. He went to hell and raised Jesus from the dead. Yes, Jesus went to hell. For those of you who don't believe it. We were bound to hell. And Jesus died. He was made sin. He never sinned. He was made sin for us. He went through everything. He said everything must be accomplished. In Psalm 16, he says, My soul was not left in Hades, was not left in hell. So his soul went, went there, but his soul was taken out. Not only there, but in Ephesians 4, he says he descended into the lower parts of the earth. Read it, Ephesians 4. He that ascended is the same that descended. He that descended is the same that ascended to heaven, that he might fill all things, and he gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4. He descended to the lower parts of the earth. That is not the grave. Read the Bible and learn the Bible for yourself. Peter writes to us, Peter says, By the Spirit, Jesus went to the prison where the spirits of those who were disobedient in the days of Noah were. And he proclaimed to them, because he is the Lord of the living and of the dead. The dead heard him. The living heard him. So that one day when he calls all of us, everybody will get up. Some to everlasting life and some to everlasting destruction. That is what Paul said. I want to attain the resurrection of life. And it comes by believing in Jesus and holding on to Jesus. Start with Jesus, you end with Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me end Ruth. Take you to Ruth chapter 1 and chapter 4. Be like book ends, the beginning and the end. Ruth chapter 1, very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. This is my summary. Hallelujah. In Ruth chapter 1, the Bible says, and just, this, I took a version that uh, make, makes it easy when you read like a story, a storybook. You know? That's what the version is called. Modern English version. Okay. So in the days, judges, excuse me, Ruth 1, verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem, I need for you to notice that. A man from Bethlehem in Judah 
went to live in the land of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Melon and Kali. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. He went to Moab and lived there. Verse, next verse. Now Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. So she was left alone with her two sons. They took Moabites women for themselves as wives. The name of one was Orpah, the other was Ruth. They lived there for about ten years. And Malon and Cavan also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. That That was bad. That was bad. This is why I want you to see as, as uh, I end today. Elimelech, as you probably know or have seen, El means what? God. E-L, God. El Shaddai. El Elyon. El is God. Eli, Eli. Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God. Right. So, Eli Melech. Melech is king. In Hebrew, Melech is king. So Eli is God. My God is king. Eli Melech, his name means what? My God is king. Actually, this book, Ruth, is a story of redemption. It's a story of God coming to redeem mankind. Through Jesus Christ. It's actually beautiful. So we see my God is king. Who was from where? Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. That's how it relates to Jesus. So actually, here, this represents Jesus. This is God. Jesus from Bethlehem. My God is king. Elimelech. Then he dies. This is talking about the death of Jesus. He dies. And his resurrection brings us life. So let's go to the end, chapter 4. Then we'll look at the resurrection. So the beginning, this is two bookends. The beginning, beginning and end. The beginning, we see Elimelech. My God is king. He's married to Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. In the Old Testament, God is married to Israel. Israel was given a land that is called a pleasant land. So Naomi represents Israel. Israel's land was called the land of Canaan, land flowing with milk and honey. Another name in the Bible given to the land was the pleasant land. In Daniel, calls the book of the land of Israel the pleasant land. So Naomi represents Israel, married to God. The two sons speak of the law and the prophets. And their death represents the failure of the law and prophets to save us. The law could not save us. It was until John, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you seeing this? Okay, see the symbolism. All right. So we go to Ruth chapter 4, verse 4. One. Just 
reading from the modern version. It's a story. So it flows easier. So Boaz went up to the gate and sat down. And now the Redeemer, you see, it's about redemption. Jesus redeeming us. The Redeemer of whom he had spoken passed by. And Boaz said, come over, friend, and sit here. So he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten, ten men. And it's just order. Ten men from among the elders of the town and said, sit here. So they sat down. And he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, must sell the plot of land, everybody, sell the plot of land belonging to our brother Elimelech. The redemption was coming because of inheritance from my God is King. Who is our God is King? Jesus. Amen. His death and his resurrection has given you life. It has reconciled us to God. His death and his resurrection has brought us redemption, has brought us honor, has brought us glory. Amen. I'll leave you with this. So by the way, chapter 4, in chapter 4, what happens is that the, the, the first man in line, the Redeemer, refused to do it. And I told that before. That represents Adam. The first man, Adam, failed. So the last Adam, Boaz here represents the last Adam, Jesus. He redeemed us as our king's man, Redeemer. Boaz in the story, married Ruth. But Boaz is a Jewish man. But marries Ruth, who is a Gentile. She's not, she's not Jewish. She's a Gentile. What is going on? All this month, I'm going to teach him the book of Ephesians. I'm going to teach him on, on wisdom. As a revelation from God. This was God saying to the world. I'm going to bring Jesus to save Jews and Gentiles. The marriage of Boaz, who is Jewish, and Ruth, who is a Gentile, was showing that God will make Jews and Gentiles one in Christ. You break the middle wall of division and partition. Any division in your marriage, any division in your family, any division, any spirit of division that is gunning for you, bringing division and hostility in your family, I break its power today in Jesus' mighty name. I silence those voices speaking against your peace in your family in the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody bringing discord in your family, I rebuke that spirit that is operating there in Jesus' name. And your jobs as well. Anybody who is being used by the devil to bring discord and bring confusion into your department, or wherever you work. It's affecting your peace. Maybe threatening your, your job, your financial health, your financial life. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. Boaz marries Ruth, a union of Jews and Gentiles in Christ. Ephesians 2 teaches us about it. This is something God had planned. To redeem mankind, to bless mankind through the death.
Hallelujah. The two of them have a child. They're called Obed. Or Obed. The B is actually like a V sound. His name means servant. God uses him to be a blessing to Naomi. Whatever she lost, God gave her in abundance. Ruth herself, who had also lost her husband, God changed her life. I mean, think about it. She became an ancestress of Jesus Christ. She was not even Jewish. This is what God can do for you. Whatever your past has been, God, through the power of the resurrection of Jesus, has changed and I pray for the manifestation to come for you. Jesus' name. Let me end with this. Provoke you to study some more. To just provoke you to, to pursue God. To say, Lord, I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus. So you hit all these things in the Bible for me. Wow, Lord, thank you. Look at this. So they have a child as tell. They had Obed. And then Obed had a son he called what? Jesse. Now, for most Christians, Begin to smile, the mind is beginning to go, okay, okay, I see where we're going. Jesse, David, right? King David. And from David, Christ came. So you can see, way back then, God was working to tell humanity that through Jesus, I'll change your sorrow to joy. Naomi, your sorrow becomes joy. Through the death of our God, our King, Elimelech, inheritance. Ladies and gentlemen, good will come to you. Today we're going to partake of communion. Health will come to you. Strength will come. Vitality will come to you. The blood will speak for you. Things will change in the realm of the spirit. There will be a breakthrough. Amen. All right, we end with this. So look here. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. So they have Obed. Obed has Jesse. Jesse has David. And then look at how the scripture ends. The book ends in the book of Ruth, chapter 4. Where they had David, I'll read from verse 17. The neighbors, uh, the women, gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. He was Ruth's child. So he said, A son has been born to Naomi. That's God saying, I'll restore your life. And they named him Obed, which means servant. He was a father of Jesse, the father of David. Do you know how the New Testament starts? In what book? Matthew. you know how it starts? It says, this is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. That's how the New Testament begins. This is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. So from David here, naturally, next person we go to is Jesus. But what fascinated me was this. After he said they had Obed, then Obed had Jesse, then Jesse had David. And look at what God does. He ends the book, just throws this in, just like out of nowhere. You're like, what is going on here? Look at God. He says, now these are the descendants of Perez. 
you're like, wait a minute, we're talking about Boaz and Ruth. He had a son, Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David, King David. David from whom Christ came. So why, why is he bringing this? What is he talking about? And mostly, if you're not really working in revelation knowledge, you're not a serious Bible student, when it comes to the genealogies, I used to do this. When it comes to the genealogies, I just skip over. You know, you know, this begat, this, this begat. I couldn't even pronounce the name, so I just kind of skip over until God opened my eyes to search for some more. So now I'm like, okay, why is he doing this? He says, these are the descendants of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. You know what Perez means? Break forth. This was talking about the resurrection. Jesus broke forth from the grave. He broke out of death. He came out of hell. God, our king, came down to the earth and gave his life. One day he broke out of the grave so that breakthroughs may come to you. His resurrection brought us Hezron. You know what Hezron means? Joy. His resurrection brought us Hezron, brought us joy. Look at the revival in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. It says there was great joy in that city. Demons were cast out of the people, were born again, baptized the Holy Spirit, healed. Great joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. The resurrection gives us great joy. So Perez is the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. You know what Ram means? Exalted. Exalted. In Christ, in his resurrection, what has happened to us? You are risen together with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are what? Exalted. May you never be down. May you never be the tail. May you always be the head. May you never be beneath. May you be the head in Jesus' name. Whatever was oppressing you, its power is broken. Today you are up. When we partake of communion today, eat to health, eat to life, eat to breakthroughs. Because God, your king, came down to the earth, died, and broke out of the grave. Came out of hell and death. That you may have joy unspeakable, full of glory, and be exalted. Then, Ram, whose name is exalted, had a son called, he called Aminadab. Aminadab means noble and honorable people of God. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light to show forth the praises. I pray that today for you. The excellencies, the virtues of the living God. You are a chosen generation. You are God's honorable people. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see this? Jesus was raised from the dead. He broke forth out of the grave that you may have joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. That you may be exalted, lifted up, seated in heavenly places. And you may become part of the honorable, noble people of God. He has restored glory and honor to us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in the death and resurrection of Jesus, he has done what? He has restored honor and 
glory. When God created man, he crowned us with glory and honor. But we lost it through Adam. Christ has restored it. So we are now God's honorable people. These honorable people will do something. They will go forth and they will tell of the peace of God. His son nation, his, means, his name means foretell. Nation's son, Salmon. Salmon's name means peace. It's like Solomon, Shalom, peace. So we're going to go forth and tell of the peace of the Lord. And we're going to do it how? In the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Salmon had a son he called Boaz. Boaz means strength. Strength or power. Strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord. Boaz. The strength of the Lord or the power of the Lord. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we'll go and tell the world about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. Hallelujah. I already explained who has a son's name, Obed. Serving. He will serve the world with what? With Jesse. What does Jesse mean? God's gift. He will serve the world, God's gift. God's gift of what? Jesse's son. He had seven sons, I think. Why aren't they all mentioned? Only David is mentioned. Because that's the part that relates to Jesus. David means beloved. So we're going to serve the world with God's gift. Serve the world with God's gift of his beloved son and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel. This is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Elimelech, our God, my God is king. He came down and he died. And his death and resurrection gave us an inheritance. This inheritance comes because he broke out of the grave. He came out of death. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. He came out alive. And his resurrection has given us joy. Joy unspeakable. Full of glory. His resurrection has made us the exalted people of God. Noble with the honor and the glory of God. Now we go forth telling the world about the peace of our Lord Jesus. That they can have peace with Jesus Christ. And we do this by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Serving humanity. The gift of God's Son. Jesus Christ. God bless you saints. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I pray today for anybody who has not yet given their life to Jesus to do so today. You may have done it here in this message but you have, if you haven't just simply say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this message that revealed to me that you came to die, that I may be saved, that I may be made righteous, that I may be declared righteous, justified. I receive you now. I receive you now. Hallelujah. Thank you for making me your child. If you pray that prayer in your own words, you are a child of 
pray now for you. In Jesus' name. Everyone be saved. Be healed. And be delivered. We pray for you to be filled with the power of the Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Ghost right now. Receive the power of God's Spirit in your life. Go forth to take the world for Jesus. Serve them the gift of Christ. For those who are already born again, fill the Holy Spirit. I pray for new oil, fresh oil, a new anointing. I pray for the anointing to destroy yokes in your life. I pray that you rise up and use your God-given gifts by the enabling power of God's Spirit in Jesus' name. By the faith of God, I call it down. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Please join us for communion right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please get your communion emblems. Praise the Lord. We announced, for those of you online, we announced that we're going to have communion today. Resurrection Sunday. Praise God. Those who are not aware of it, but have just found out, uh, if you have uh, bread and wine in your house, just get it right now. Or crackers and wine in your house, just get it right now, please. Hallelujah. I've ministered a lot on it already, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just get the bread and get the wine. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ established this. Hallelujah. So please uh, serve yourself. Take the bread and take the wine right now, please. Just have it ready. I'm going to pray. And then uh, we're going to eat and drink together. And we always eat the bread first. And then we drink the wine after. The bread represents the body of Jesus and the wine represents the blood of Jesus. The bread speaks of the body of Jesus, the wine, the blood of Jesus. What happened to the body of Jesus? It was beating, it was bruised, it was battered. He was wounded, he was whipped on his back. As you know, the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. And I'd like to look at the application in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, for us born-again believers. Jesus established it in the Gospels, but the application of significance is in 1 Corinthians 11. The body was broken so that your body may be whole. And I pray that you get the revelation today. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So we not just do it. Do it with understanding and with revelation. 26. 
Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth, drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So if we discern the Lord's body, then we're going to eat life to ourselves, strength and vitality, which is what we want to do. So let's take the bread now. Father, I ask your blessing upon these emblems that people have in their hands, in their homes right now, and here in the sanctuary. Bless. Bless them. And as we eat the bread, let it become life to us. Christ died for us. His body was broken for us. By his stripes, we are healed. So as we eat the bread, let life come. Let supernaturally, Lord, let life, health come. Let what is missing now be replaced. Restore life. Restore strength in Jesus' name. And as we eat, we pray against COVID-19. Pray against sicknesses and diseases. We pray for health and strength. Ask for long life for all, filled with peace, power, and prosperity. I pray for long life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat the bread. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, and he writes this by revelation, by revelation, because he wasn't there physically when Jesus instituted it. He got it by revelation. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, 23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat this, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup, this cup is the new covenant, the new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On this Easter Sunday, we call Resurrection Sunday. Lord Jesus, we say thank you. We all say thank you around the world. With a resounding voice, we say thank you. Thank you for shedding your blood. And we may have eternal life. We drink to life. We drink to peace and joy. We drink to exaltation. We drink to a new anointing to serve humanity with your life. We drink to the fulfillment of purpose and divine destiny. In Jesus' name, may the blood speak
speak for everybody. Speak life for you as you drink today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. Just take a moment to thank God for what he's done for you. Just take a moment. We're done, but just, just take a moment. Just let it settle, simmer down. Hallelujah. So meditate on his glory, his power, resurrection Go out victorious. Walk in victory every day. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord watch over you. May the Lord favor you. Grace abound upon your life. You and your house. This Resurrection Sunday, I pronounce blessings upon you and all yours. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. May you be empowered by the resurrection power of Jesus in your inner man. May that flow to your soul, to your body, to every area of your life. Good be your portion. And may many be saved because of your life. And the telling of the good news to them by you. In Jesus' name. By the faith of Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. I want to ask God's blessings on your finances as we give to God tithes and offerings and gifts of love. Everybody out online, uh, if you're blessed through this ministry, you can give uh, to World Missions Ministries to support the work of God. I want to remind our members uh, to also give especially that uh, we need to pay our mortgage for the church on April 5th. So please give. We have three ways to give. You can give via Zelle transfer. The phone number for Zelle transfer to World Missions Ministries is 571-234-2387. I repeat the number, 571-234-2387. 2387. That's the transfer. Then you can give online via PayPal. WMMChurch.org. Just go to WMMChurch.org and click the donate button and give as you choose, as you desire, as the Lord has blessed you. Those who want to give by mail, Send a check by mail to World Missions Ministries. The address is 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland, 20735. I repeat, the address for World Missions Ministries, located at 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland, 20735. Thank you. God bless you. Give it. God bless your finances. God bless you. Every
every barrier of your life in Jesus' name. Lord, we honor you with our tithes, offerings, gifts of life. We worship you through our Lord and Savior, our High Priest Jesus. Let it be acceptable to you. We thank you. Bless everybody. Bless this ministry that will continue to fulfill your purpose in the earth for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.